Hello and welcome back to RocketPod. On today's show, we're joined by the founder of Zipazin, Kate Bell. Zipazin is a fast-growing fashion brand catering to women from maternity, family life and beyond. With some incredible innovative products there and Kate has been featured on Dragon's Den and Zipazin is an Amazon top seller across the world. So really looking forward to learning about Kate's entrepreneurial journey and really learn what makes her tick. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. Uh, it's uh, wonderful to have you here. So just for our listeners, I met Kate um, at a talk that was hosted by Dominic McGregor. In fact, he was, the, he was actually being interviewed at the Legacy Club. And there was some, a fantastic group of entrepreneurs. And we were learning about and Dominic's journey with Social Chain. And, and then I got chatting to Kate. And I learned that she was the founder of Zip Us In, female entrepreneur. And, you know, featured on Dragon's Den and has been an Amazon top seller in seven countries. And it's really on the entrepreneurial journey. So it'd be really great, Kate, to kick off to kind of learn about your upbringing, really go right back. You know, where, where did it all start? And then perhaps lead us through your journey with Zippers In. And I know that, you know, you founded the company to solving some problems that you came across, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll save all the fun stuff, all the great <laughs> stuff for you to talk about. But uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Gosh, that's a long way back to go then, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And you thought this would be easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All the way back to the beginning. So I um, left college with very mediocre A-levels and absolutely no clue what I wanted to do at all. I I wasn't one of those people that had this life map and had a career choice. I didn't have a clue. So fell into a sales job um, because my sister's boyfriend at the time was working there and it seemed like an easy, easy in. And to start with, I was doing okay with sales. Just I loved that, that personal interaction with people and getting to understand other people's businesses. And from the advertising sales job, um, I ended up working in the Daily Echo for the property newspaper for about seven years until I got married and had my first daughter. And when she was about six months old, uh, I became a single parent rather unexpectedly. So I had to kind of reassess what I was going to do. didn't really have a lot of options for childcare. And mm. at the time, the newspaper were advertising an editor to write the property pages. And I really wanted to do it. And I really wanted to do it from home. Obviously, no journalism degree whatsoever, no experience in editorial but I always thought I was very good at creative writing and I thought that I could have a really good crack at it. So I had a meeting with the editor of the paper and, and um, he kind of laughed at me when I said that I wanted to apply and explained my circumstances that I needed something that was going to work around my daughter. I wasn't prepared to not mm. work. And I said to him, okay, well, give, give me an opportunity. You've not got anybody filling a role at the moment. I'll work for free and I can wow. present my work to you. If you like, mm-hmm. if you like what I do, the minute you publish a story, the job's mine. That's that's the deal. And he Great. said, "Yeah, why, why not? Okay, see see what you've got." And every t- every evening, put the baby to bed, and I just shut myself away on my laptop and wrote what I could. And literally within a couple of days, they'd published some of my work and gave me Amazing. a job. Um, and Fantastic. I did that for a year, um, and I loved it. To me, that was like my perfect job. I could fit it around childcare. Um, it, it just really worked. I love the creativity. I love going and seeing the houses. I love meeting people. Um, and after doing it for about a year, uh, they asked if I could be office-based full-time, which obviously completely and utterly changed the, the job role and just wasn't feasible for me at all. Right, interesting. Um, so they made me redundant. Um, so I had this letter oh. turn up in the post to say that I was being made redundant because the, the role was progressing and they needed something different. Um, what an experience, was, though. You know, oh, I'm devastated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from high to low. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> like the perfect job and that was it, just whipped out from underneath me. Oh. And uh, my parents were travelling the world at the time and I phoned them and explained. And mum, my mum was very matter-of-fact. She said, oh, you stop your moaning, what are you going to do next? <laughs> so that <laughs> was when I set up my first business. Um, so I set up Fate Promotions Marketing Agency that day and started building my, my customer base. So that was, uh, that was sort of my first into entrepreneurship it was a it was a case of I didn't really have a choice that was it um, I wasn't going to be paid at the end of that week so what was I going to do to fill the gap and that was kind of the push I needed and probably the best thing that could have happened you created your own luck from the beginning I mean to offer to work for free I mean that's taking a risk and for our younger <laughs> listeners out there you know and obviously you did really amazing work and they hired you so because a lot of um, it's like how do you kind of get that first break isn't it and sometimes you have to think outside the box and just be really confident in your Absolutely. own abil- abilities mm-hmm. who, who do you think in your in your childhood was um was there some 
somebody that gave you that confidence to do, to try stuff like that to take risks? Is, was there one person that um, kind of influenced you that that kind of Probably mindset? Two. Like yeah, two two people, both my parents. I was yeah, incredibly yeah. lucky that I had um, an amazing supportive family. My parents ran their own business. So I watched them build um, a print company, which my granddad actually started in his garage with a little print press he bought when he was 12. So he was printing um, cards and things for for mates at school and then progressed into an office. And eventually um, my parents were were running um, a very large organization with a huge team of people. Watching them do that was incredibly inspiring. I have to be honest, at no point did I think, that's what I want to do. I want to run my own mm-hmm. business. But I think probably subconsciously seeing how they built something and the pride that gave me to know that my parents mm-hmm. did that was, mm-hmm. was probably working away in the background. Um, so my dad is definitely a huge part of my inspiration. And my mum is the perfect cl- complement to that in that she does have a very can-do attitude. So mm-hmm. it really was, you know, I phoned her and I'm, I'm pouring my heart out saying, it's the worst thing that ever happened. I've lost the best job ever. And, you know, I've got this, mm-hmm. got this um, toddler and I'm never going to be able to earn any money. I don't want to do with my life. And uh, she literally just pulled me back up and said, well, it's mm-hmm. happened now. There's nothing you can do about it. What are you going to do next? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, Great, that's yeah. why the company was called Fate, because she said to me, everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, this Amazing. opportunity has been thrown at you. Make the most of it. Do something different. Um, wow. and, and she sort of gave me the, the kick up the bottom that I really needed to, to then move on to the next project. Well, that's brilliant. It actually shows how having the right people around you and obviously that inspiration gave you that, like, that boost you needed to get up and sort of find that next business and take that next step, really. And in terms of what was that experience like? So we've got, obviously got a lot of listeners out there that potentially are looking to maybe need that kick to stop what they're doing or there may be an opportunity where they can start their own business or they want to. What was that like yeah. from obviously leaving that one job um, to then starting fake promotions? So for me, because it, it was a push rather than a jump, mm-hmm. I didn't have a job anymore. I had to find mm-hmm. something else. So yeah. um, I, I had to get on with it. I had to use all the skills that I did. Um, and initially, I just went back to the uh, estate, agents, estate agents and the property developers that I've been working with and said, you know, we've, this is the relationship we used to have. That's different now. How can we still work together um, in a different capacity? So that ability to just adapt and find how I can utilize my skill set in a different way was was really important. It is incredibly difficult to take a, a leap from something that is secure and reliable yeah. into doing something completely different i mean that mm-hmm. takes huge amounts of courage but that leap that going into the fear every time i have found it in me to do that so that that particular time was very much a, a push and i pulled myself up and got got back on with it but the experience that that gave me really opened my eyes to the fact that that jump of fear is is the area in which all the good stuff really happens. So you can stay comfortable and it and it's great. But you know, along the along the journey, is that going to suit your personality? And some people love that consistency, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I hugely applaud that. But for some personalities, that's not enough. And you know, for most entrepreneurs, they'll go, yeah, I, I get that. For me, that would never have been enough. I would always wanted to push myself further and see what else I can do. So taking those leaps, um, even if they just crash and burn, to me, having that experience is what life is all about. So whether it went right or wrong, you know, sometimes it goes wrong and that happens a lot. And I've made a huge amount of mistakes, but that's all part of the learning experience. Mm-hmm. The whole process has gotten me to where I am now and I wouldn't change any of that because that that feeling when you're when you're leaping is terrifying and then when it when it actually all goes right and you do something that's an incredible feeling to know that you've got this amazing pride of, of having created a business um and and had that courage to do that so yeah just just kind of diving into it and not being afraid to fail i think that's a really important factor mm-hmm. because it, it will happen um it has to happen it's an inevitable part of growing a business because if you don't have those failures you don't have the opportunity to learn from those mistakes and, and make better next time fantastic and actually i think what's remarkable about your you know, how you got started um not only did you have 
a young child, another in a mouth to feed, another human being in your life. You know, you you were a single parent too. So that that survival instinct, um, and yet you were still able to have the courage to launch out on your own. Okay, you ha- you mentioned you had your support network and your parents and your family, but mm-hmm. you know you were still very much you know the, the you know you have, have your own little family, and that that's uh, <laughs> that's really inspiring. I think because I think a lot of folks out there they they feel that if they've got a child or they've got you know other commitments or whatever they can't do that but it's almost like Mm -hmm. but you just kind of just went for it and I I think that's hugely inspiring because you know and that's actually you're you're being an amazing role model for your young daughter as well so it's kind of you know but it's not easy I hear a lot of women yeah a lot of women say that they've got this idea or they they want to start a business but they're also thinking about having a family so they're they're gonna wait and I think that's a bit a bit of a shame actually because it doesn't mean that you have to do one or the other. And actually mm-hmm. each of the businesses that, that I've created have been successful because of that inspiration from, from being a mum, not despite the fact that I'm, I have a young child. So when I launched Zippers In, the idea came about purely because of, of that, that problem-solving moment when I thought, right, I can't do my jacket up anymore. I need to develop a product that's going to work for me. Um, and the product actually went to market when she was just a few months old. So... I've got a, a newborn, you know, second child, and I'm working on my next business, which actually, when you sit and think about it, sounds absolutely ludicrous. But it is that energy you have when you mm-hmm. become a parent and you, you know, you've, you've got, like you say, these other mouths to feed, but, but also that what you want to create for them, the future that you want to create for them. And that to me was always my biggest motivator is that I wanted to be a role model, I wanted to be inspiring for, for my girls. But I also wanted to create something that they would be proud of, and, and maybe even that would give them um, a future business to work for. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, you highlight another, just another observation. Just listening to you, you talk about your journey, you know, if you do put things off, then quite often that that whether whether it's fear or whether it's just excitement of the idea, that those things are fleeting, and it's almost like a gift, you know. When because I'm always trying to figure out myself, you know what. You know, like the, these times of effortless high performance, when literally you can do anything, it doesn't matter what's thrown at you, you can just blow through it. But you know, but those even those times, they they pass, and okay, you you find it again. But it's like, I think for those folks out there, they're saying, well, you know, I'll I'll do this when you know when I've started my family, or I'll do this when mm-hmm. I you know um, buy yeah. the house or I do this when you know but it's almost that's a that's a risk really you know yeah if, if, if you've got the courage to say just do it it feels right you know you, you you've got that clear vision in your head then that's the time but it, there's mm-hmm. going to be nothing you know it's never going to be perfect let's face never it I mean, be, yeah. you, you know yeah that's what anyway somebody I, said I, I to me a little maybe, while ago yeah done is better than perfect <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little like that 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 is a bit me and, and sometimes I have to sort of slow down a little bit and come back to, to checking in on the details but yeah I've, I've always had in my mind that it would be more painful to watch somebody else take my idea forward and be successful from it than it would mm-hmm. be to dive in and mess it up so mm-hmm. if you take that risk and it doesn't go right at least you've given it a really good shot and actually there's yeah. a huge opportunity that that it could go incredibly right and and it will be amazing and you'll find the right support network to make that business really work but if you don't do anything and you watch somebody else do it um that that to me would would just be such a kick oh. in the gut but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's where my real fear lies um, and then I focus on that and then the, the, the taking the jump and just doing it doesn't seem quite so scary after all. Mm. No, I think that's, I think that's brilliant. I think there's uh, some incredibly valuable points in there. I think uh, just, just at the time, time, just giving it a go, just starting it. And if, like you say, if it doesn't work, you've learned the lessons, but you've started it, you've just given it a go. And I think it sounds like throughout your journey, that's the sort of the mentality you have, which is just give it a go. And you mentioned about the, so I would like to lead on to your, your current business, if in, and you mentioned about how it's sort of that idea came about. So if you could just sort of take us from that point and just sort of over the sort of the beginning journeys with developing the product um, to sort of getting that to market, because I'm sure our listeners would love to hear a bit more about this. Sure. So th- there's a picture that I've shared on social media quite a few times when we stood on the beach in Weymouth with um, my jacket zipped up just at the top um, and then my belly sticking out and I had this really nice jacket that I'd spent quite a bit of money on and it seemed really wasteful um, not not just financially but also environmentally to then go out and buy a maternity coat when I already had a coat um, maternity coats at the time didn't have any of the technical qualities that the coat I already had uh, you know it was waterproof it was wind resistant living in the in the forest where we do a lot of, lot of walking a lot of running 
So I still wanted to do all those activities and yet the equipment available just didn't seem to support the lifestyle that I wanted through pregnancy. So um, for me at the time, it was a little bit right to, do, do pregnant women not actually go out in the rain? Do we not go running? Of course we do. <laughs> so um, I wanted to carry on, on wearing the coat and started hitting Google to see what I could find that would expand my jacket. And you can get the little expanders for your bra and your, your trousers. Um, but your coat's probably the most expensive item that you mm. you buy. So it amazed me that there wasn't something around. So uh, it was on the phone to my mom, right? I've, I've drawn out some things. Um, I've picked up some fabric. Can you help me put this thing together? Um, which she did amazingly well. Um, and then I started using it. And it was actually more after my daughter was born that this same item had a dual purpose. So not only would it expand the jacket through pregnancy, but also when I had her in the carrier, I could use mm. it then. Um, and there was a, a particular time, which I've spoken about a few times when I went into the post office and initially I had my coat on zipped up and then I had the carrier on the top. Um, and anyone that's ever used one of these baby carriers, you, you yeah. need like a degree to put these things on. Yep, and do. then you put the baby in, <laughs> in their sleep suit. Um, and all these layers, because as, as a new parent, you're petrified, they're going to be too cold. And then you go inside somewhere and that baby's at risk of overheating within less than two seconds. So they're getting hotter and then you're getting hotter. So you've got to take a child out of the sleep. So take all these layers off and then you've got to, you know, and I'm handing my, my newborn baby over to a complete stranger. Can you just hold my child a minute <laughs> while I take this carrier off and then take my coat off? Yeah. And then when, you, when you're done inside wherever you've been, you've got to do the whole thing in reverse to, to leave again. And um, I remember thinking to myself, why did I not use that jacket expander thing that my mum made for me so that I could then have her inside the jacket? So she didn't need lots of layers. I could have her closer to my skin. And it meant that if I went in somewhere, I could literally just undo it and take my coat off. And she was still in the carrier next to me. It made complete sense to me. And as I started using it, um, people would just stop me and say, oh, excuse me, where did you get that from? And it's that kind of moment where you think, actually, if I've created something that solves a problem for me, um, then it's going to solve a problem for a lot of other people because mm. we, we all live similar lifestyles. Um, and so I thought, right, I've got something here. Obviously, having had the experience of, of building the first business and um, some knowledge around marketing and branding, uh, my, my first set was Protect My Design. So we applied for the patent, um, got our, our protected design, started doing my trademarks, created a brand, launched a Facebook page and just started selling them to order. So mums would contact me through the Facebook page. I had a lady with a roll of fabric and sewing machine in her garage and she was yeah. making them to order. Um, and initially we were doing only five, 10 a week. Um, and then they, they sort of slowly grew. I mean, parents love to share information on products that make life just that bit easier because parenting is, is bloody hard work. So if there's that one thing that just makes it less painful, then then that's it. You know, we all want that thing. So they're all sharing it. I'm getting more and more inquiries. Um, and having had the website live for about six months, I was contacted by Boots to go and pitch to their buying team, which just kind of knocked me off my chair, really, because to, to me, this was it, what started as, um, you know, the, the term that I kind of hate, really, but the side hustle, you know, this was just the side oh, yeah. hustle in, in comparison to everything else that was going on at the time. Um, so I, I went up to the Boots head office, sat in front of the, the team of buyers, um, and I'm chatting away and showing them my photo of me on the beach. And I had this idea and, you know, this this fabric is is waterproof and wind resistant and breathable and it needed to be safe to, to be next to, to my child's skin and blah, 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 blah. And then they said to me, oh, could you just wait outside for a minute, please? And I was expecting to sort of come back in and them to say, well, that's, you know, all very nice. But um, when your little business gets a bit more serious, they'll come, come back and talk to us. Um, and when they invited me back in again, they said, we think it's absolutely wonderful. Such a clever idea. Um, how quickly could you put it on our shelves? And, you know, kind of sat there going, uh, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> um, and the mass naivety, um, this was the September and I'm saying, oh, we could, we could have it on the shelves in December. You know, this is my, my say yes to everything and work out yeah. the details later. Um, in fact, it was the following December, so almost okay. a year to scale operations wow. um, to the point that, I, you know, at, at this stage, I had no idea really where the business could potentially go, or where it was going to go. I wasn't entirely sure what boots were going to, to be looking at, at covering in terms of units. So this was right, you know, I need to really go back to basics and look at, at, at putting together 
um, a business model that's far more scalable than, than um, my lovely lady with her sewing machine in the garage. <laughs> so uh, we then had to source manufacturing and I had to look at the, the um, extending my IP into other countries if we were going to start start looking at moving wow. into other territories, um, looking at the insurances, looking at, at the, the things that need to, the, the legal elements that need to be on the packaging, all those things that you wouldn't necessarily think about um and i reached out to lots of other brand owners in the nursery space and they were absolutely amazing because people really will help other people um and i think that's that's like a, a really key point for anybody that's starting out is don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask because we've all been there and we all then want to support the, the other people that are there then because we've all been through those pain points. We've all made all of those mistakes. And actually if, if just passing along that little bit of advice can stop the next person going through that pain point and making those same mistakes, then, um, then that's an absolute win. Um, but yes. So, so from there we launched into boots. Um, we then launched on Amazon. Um, we now sell into 38 different countries um and the the business has scaled fairly dramatically we've sold about thirty thousand units so far of the jacket expander panel um and we're still looking to drive that that forward uh and then sort of came that moment of well what else is there because actually we need to really understand why our customers love this product and and what other uh concepts fit into this same bracket so I guess the jacket expander panel was the initial concept for adaptive clothing. So trying to find ways of, of making the clothing that you own um, usable through pregnancy, because in, in my mind, maternity wear is the worst fast fashion. And I couldn't bring myself to, to invest in lots of maternity wear, not just because of that, that monetary thing, but as I say, just buying clothes to use for six months just mm-hmm. seems to me incredibly wasteful when you when you've mm. got everything you need um and so through lockdown when i had just that little bit more time to interact with the customer base i wasn't traveling so much um and i had time to really stop and think about whether where we were going to drive the brand next um and i also had a day where i started sorting through my wardrobe and realized that i had so many clothes that were just being stored because they didn't fit me anymore um, and it really got my mind working into how we could develop a range of clothing that would be adaptable so that whether um, your body shape was was changing through weight loss, weight gain, hormone changes, menopause mm-hmm. or pregnancy, that the clothing that you owned adapted to fit rather than having to go out and, and buy more clothes. Mm-hmm. And so started this research project just to see whether this was just me. I mean, I've been through goodness knows how many different sizes and the, the statistic that I came across, which just blew my mind, was that women change dress size an average of 31 times throughout their life, which I think is nuts. Oh, wow. And then when you start yes. looking at why there's this high demand for fast fashion, to me, that seems like the, the obvious thing. You know, we're, not, mm. we're not necessarily getting rid of clothing because um, the trends have moved on or because it's, it's low quality. But, but in fact, it's, it's mainly because it doesn't fit us anymore. So we, mm-hmm. we get rid of it. And there has to be a way of counteracting that. So that's where we are now. We're, we're launching this, this new range of adaptive clothing, um, the Alternity range, which will hopefully work towards reducing that amount of fabric wastage, um, sustainable fabrics with, with designs that would adapt to fit, um, which would hopefully help to make our consumers make more, more conscious decisions about what they're actually investing in, in terms of fabric. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's incredible. 31 times. You know, it's really... I mean, okay, so I have, I think I may have mentioned earlier, I have three teenage daughters, um, 14, 16, and 18. There's a lot of pressure on, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on men too, but I think there's a, there's more pressure on women to, to look a certain way or to be a certain way. Um, society puts all these expectations on, but as you said, you know, body shapes, you know, whether through childbirth or whatever, you know, there's, it's almost like every stage needs to be celebrated and, and um, yeah. you know, it's wonderful your business kind of... Um, you know is looking for solutions you know so you know your customers can look their best and feel really good and you know and it's just you know whatever stage you're in you know it's all beautiful it's just different and and Absolutely. uh you know it's not just these airbrushed you know i mean i'm just thinking about my daughters now there's so much pressure on um you know how they should look um mm-hmm. and it's a lot of it's yeah. all fake but actually to have something in the real world that actually does adapt to that um it's just kind of just made me think um, yeah, so, I mean uh, that that empowerment, that female empowerment around um, body confidence mm-hmm. is is a huge movement, and it's it's so important. And 
I think women have tried to hide the fact for a really long time that we we change. I mean, we change body shapes throughout the day, the way our, our hormone structure works. Mm. Um, we've never really addressed it. We've never really discussed it before. But I, I can start a day in my size 10 jeans and by the afternoon, I want to be in a size 14. That's just the way our bodies work right, because yeah. it's, you know, things, things, things change, things adapt. And we shouldn't have to spend time constantly having more clothes to adapt to, to or more clothes to fit those shapes and, and mm-hmm. sizes, we should actually still be able to wear uh, the things that we really love, really nice pieces that, that make us feel good. Feel good and that yeah. actually, if, if we're changing shape, that they'll, they'll change with us. So, wow, that's uh, 31 times. Again, education. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Right? I mean, it makes yeah. sense. I think this would be a good segue to introduce our sponsor, Flexi. I'd like to take a moment uh, to introduce you to our amazing sponsor Flexi. These days we have multiple subscriptions from streaming services to gift boxes and much more. Discover Flexi's unique subscription marketplace sourced from independent British brands, from organic beauty products, cocktail kits and responsibly sourced coffee to plant-based meals, gift boxes and much more. Whatever your passion, look forward to a regular box of joy delivered straight to your door. All easy to pause, cancel or resume in a tap or two from one single dashboard so give flexi a try it's free to download from the app store or head over to www.flexiapp.uk that's f-l-e-x-y-a-p-p.uk now back to our guest so it was national women's day yesterday so it's great to celebrate female entrepreneurs like yourself absolutely are you able to talk a little bit about we haven't really covered you know investment raises or anything like that is there anything do you want a little talk a little bit about your experience as a female entrepreneur whether it's you know yeah yeah you've had a lot of experience, dragons den yes. and, <laughs> and investors and can yeah. we just so touch the, on that the, at all? The, the investment journey has been quite something so we did our first investment raise and we closed about two years ago. So Dragon's Den came about just as I'd started to um, raise for the first time. We were looking to launch into the US and Canada. So wanted to um, really bring a bit of a, a cash into the business to enable us to do that. And really then to look at where we were going to develop the company next. Um, so Dragon's Den seemed like a, a clear um, winner for for the avenue to explore first the amount of times people have said to me oh that jacket expanded thing that's amazing you should go on dragon's den so i thought right okay well no, it's, it's about time um and it was a very interesting experience it gave me an amazing opportunity to completely and utterly pull the business apart um really get to understand the the numbers you see these people go on Dragon's Den, everyone says, why would they not know the answer to that question? But when you're in the business and you're running it day in, day out, there is so much involved and you've got your notes everywhere. But to then strip a company down and work out where the, the strengths are, where the weaknesses are, how the operations all look, you know, that due diligence process for Dragon's Den was so intense mm-hmm. that it was incredibly beneficial for me. Um, the experience of actually being in front of the cameras uh, was a little bit like sticking a fork in my eye. But, um, you know, I got through it. <laughs> I didn't cry. So that was a winner. Um, and and it, it went the way it was meant to go because I'd actually, um, just before going on the show, I'd already done a deal with, with a private investor that was going to close the day after we filmed. Um, and I really wanted to work with people that I connected with. So mm-hmm. to me, the money for the first round was was probably the driving force, but it that that round really taught me so much about raising investment and, and what the not only what the process should look like, but actually how it should feel for me. Um, throughout that, it was it was very much. I felt very lucky to have the opportunity to get in front of these people to tell them about my business, and I was desperately yep. trying to tell them how amazing this business was. We're now raising again. We are coming towards the close of our second investment raise to launch the new product range and okay. to continue growing into um, other territories with Jacket Expander Panel. Uh, and in doing this raise, again, the whole research and, and getting to really make sure that, that my numbers were good and that I really understood what I was putting um, to potential investors. But I think my attitude's changed very much this time in that I'm, I'm the driving force to find the right fit Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and that it's it's not just about um i'm lucky to get in front of an investor it's actually about that that two-way conversation and i want to find the right fit for the business as much as, yeah. as finding as the investor wants to to you know see how how great the whole package is mm-hmm. and now being able to bring that strategic value to the company um 
and make it an incredible experience. I mean, more than more than anything else, we we do this because I don't know if fun is the right word. <laughs> we do this because it's an incredible thing to to, yeah. to do. It's not just about the money; it's about building mm. something and all the experiences that that go along with that. And I want that journey to to feel. Um, really important to me so the people I work with are really important and connecting with amazing uh, entrepreneurs to to hear their stories has has been a huge part of of my journey so far so this this raise has been challenging when you're um, raising for the second time um, post-pandemic post-Brexit in world uncertainty it probably you know couldn't be a more, more difficult time uh, to raise money for any business you then throw in um being a female founder the statistics are shocking uh, uh, how much mm. of the funding actually goes to female founders and so it is it's hard going and i think the fact that we have almost gotten to our target now is uh incredible and i think that's yeah. uh really shows that that we are a solid team with a with a solid offering but i think the biggest challenge that i felt as a, as a female founder is actually around the education of what it is that we're offering um one of the things that i've spoken about recently is this this word niche <laughs> which i mm. cannot stand to hear anymore um <laughs> and the, uh, what about micro so the majority of the of the people I'm, I'm pitching to the investors that i'm pitching to are are men um and so when i start talking about maternity wear and the clothing market and changing body shapes there is this just this little glaze over um and just trying to get across that an investor doesn't need to be passionate about the product necessarily they need to see a really solid business model with huge opportunity um for revenue generation and, and a solid team and so making sure that when I go in front of somebody that I'm not just saying, you know, women do, we, we change body shapes. I've, I've been all these different sizes and this is why I think this is a good idea, but actually having the statistics to back that up because yeah. I have heard so many times when I start talking about it, that's great. You know, you're, you're great. We love the story. We love the business. It's just too niche for us. I've heard right. that endless amounts of times recently. And, and when, when I then say 3.9 billion women worldwide, are in this same position and a huge proportion of those at some point during the lifetime will have a baby and and how many babies are being born every year it's an ever-renewing market and so just having the confidence to say this is not niche you, you know this that let's let's talk it through and this is why it's not niche and so that that education around something that's very female orientated trying to to get it really understood as a business proposition has been really hard going i think have you ever read sorry sorry just from um, there's a book called zero to one by peter thiel have you read that i um, haven't no so like zero to one of- billion basically and he actually celebrates the niche you know, you, and, and actually and, and i think he actually said micro niche that's why i said micro niche but it, it might be a good it might actually excite you to actually get i'm not yeah, saying to get excited about niche should. but I mean, it might know, be a strength so, sometimes, and not, uh, it's, it's, sometimes it's great to be a niche if you can if you can fill that niche perfectly then then absolutely great um it's it's just trying to to get around the fact that maternity wear is not a small it's not a small market um and, it's education and to men these these um pale sale and male <laughs> i mean i, I think i think well this time last year i know one p of every pound that was invested by vcs went to female entrepreneurs which is or found mm-hmm. female founders which is okay. awful and i think 10p out of every pound goes to mixed gender startups and actually, Flexi, my business is is a mixed. You know, I have a, a female yeah. co-founder, and she's amazing, way, way smarter than me. Um, but yeah, so we, it's like, um, what? Why is that? It doesn't. It, it's. I, I know it's more complicated than that, but it's just it's it's wrong, really. Yeah. So, I, but I think the world is, is changing, and I think it's. Uh, I'm seeing my daughters. It's a it's a great time to be a female entrepreneur. I think because the world is changing, but there's a long way to go, and I think uh, yeah. the more investors you know support female entrepreneurs and I, I don't know the world's changing it's yeah. crazy yeah it? every, I think but, everything um, the way we do business is is changing you know there used to be a time when you you picked a career a set set career you had your your job title um life just isn't like that anymore when somebody asks me what I do for a living I, I find it really hard to come up with a title because entrepreneur sounds very generic but I do so many different things, you know, within both businesses and then consulting and supporting other startups. There are, there's so many things 
in the pot that it is hard to come down to one title and so they just being able to get into that mindset that we are doing business differently things are changing Mm -hmm. and that we have to just assess things as we see them not not based on what we're used to or stereotypes and the way women do business is very different a lot of the times to the way men do business and I was told quite a few times um, when I started my race I need to be more aggressive if I'm gonna you know be in a man's world I need to be more aggressive and for for a minute I sort of thought thought that through and then that's not me that's not who I am I am passionate and driven but I'm not aggressive. I'm also soft and compassionate. Mm. Um, and all of those things are the reason the business will be successful. And so yeah. therefore mm-hmm. I can't change who I am. I have to oh. just present why that structure, why that package is, is good for the brand. And yep. so just trying to yeah get that, that, that changing mentality that we don't necessarily need to be seen as equal because we're all different and that that's across gender culture everything we are all different but we all bring something amazing to the table and the more diverse amount you can have within your team you know we we try and have uh the creative thinkers the strategic thinkers the 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 men the women the everything Mm -hmm. because if you have that whole collection of viewpoints you know you're going to find the right way forward Whereas if, if you just look at, well, we're, you know, we're, we're just women, that's, that's yeah. no different. That's, that's just as bad as being all men because then you don't get that, that collective input. Yeah, I think that's uh, some, some brilliant points there. Um, and actually, I just wanted to touch on talking about, so obviously approaching investors just coming to the second round now. What do you, well, what did you initially look for in, in, in investors? What are you looking for? So yeah, what do you look for investors and what have you learned is important to have from your investors? Because I guess a lot of people just go for the money, whereas obviously we know how important it is yeah. to have contacts, value, passion, passion around the product. So what sort of are key things you should look in, uh, look for when you are trying to get investors involved? And also to help frame things, Kate. So Carrie, if you don't mind me saying, is yeah. um, has just been approved for his SEIS um, oh, just yeah. recently. Um, so Harry is literally putting together his investment deck and is looking <gasps> for his first angels Very on the SEIS yeah. for cocktail connoisseurs. So yeah, um, that might help frame things a bit. Absolutely, um, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of people like Harry listening as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So there's uh, here asking for me and all the listeners out there. Right. I'll, uh, I'll write down all the instructions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I first started, even at the beginning of of this raise, it was it was there was still too much focus on the money, and I was still listening to a lot of noise. So people would say, uh, "Don't ever do cold approach. You need to find um, the right introducers." So I spent a lot of money in the early stages, going through workshops, having support, um, having introducers, paying retainer fees. Um, Please don't do that, any of it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, If you have a really good deck, and I think that is probably the most important part, really know what you're offering and make sure that it's really clearly articulated um, and that it can be delivered in just a few minutes to, to make your point. You don't need to tell them everything. You just need to get somebody excited. Um, and it's fine to, to, to do cold approach. There are some amazing introducers out there and they will give you um, the right connections. But the introduction should come from you. You know your business better than anybody else. Um, and you should have the confidence to pick up the phone to somebody that you want within your business. So do your research and work out who you want. So for me, um, I, I wanted to, to look at who I thought would be a good fit. Um, and if I'm honest, probably first and foremost for me, not necessarily just for the business. Um, I, I need to work with people that inspire me. I like to have people around me that, that lift me up. And I think that's really, really important because being an entrepreneur is incredibly hard work. Um, and it's very easy to get lost in it all. So having people that will give you that support and that actually when it's when it's really rubbish, sometimes we'll we'll just go, you know, it's, it's okay. We'll just we'll learn from what we've done. We'll pick ourselves back up again and we'll we'll start fresh tomorrow. So that that team element, the right support network, how you're going to find people that just get your vibe, and then how the business is going to benefit from from that. Having people that get your brand and that get your vision. Um, and then can bring something more than just money. And that may be a little bit of experience. Um, it may be the connections. There may be a whole heap of things, but you'll know what you need. What does your business yeah. need? What is it lacking? Because, um, you know, we think we, we can do it all, but we, we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. And I've been very 
um, open and honest about where my strengths lie and where my weaknesses lie. And that's such an important thing for a founder to be able to do is to be able to be self-aware enough to go, this is where I fall down. This is the bit I can't be incredible for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, whether that's finding the right investor or the right team, but but that that's the bit that, that needs more work. So I really did go on a mission after after I've made lots of mistakes, mistakes and spent too much money and realized I was going down completely the wrong path. Um, I went about it the whole uh, a completely different way and thought, right, I need to work out who I want in the business and then I need mm-hmm. to tackle them. Um, and I need to go to speaking events and turn up and get myself in front of them because that's that's right. what I need to do. I need to know that okay. they're the right fit and mm-hmm. I need to know that that I'm I'm keen to make that happen. Um, so yeah, that that confidence. Um, yep. Once you've got everything in place, once you've got your tools, once you've got your deck and your forecast and, and all that information, um, find your targets and go for it. Right. It's preparedness just, as well, isn't it? it and mm-hmm. I think you highlight an interesting point too. So, yeah, psychology, being the buyer, uh, and even um, just thinking about my my um, my daughters, it's like a lot of it's like having people like them, you know, doing everything they can for them, people to like them. But it's like, what do you like about them? You know, you be the buyer yeah. in the situation, and you know, to try and come from a place of authenticity. But the same with the business, isn't it? It's like if it's easier said than done. But if you are, if you do your homework and you know who you want in the business, then it, the, the dynamic of the conversation changes. Mm-hmm. And I think actually at your stage, Harry. And I, just mm-hmm. speaking from my experience, it's a very critical when you, the first seed investment you get is, is so critical because these folks are going to maybe be a bit more closer to the business. Not all, but, you know, a lot of angels mm-hmm. will, you know, they're passionate or interested. Um, and mm-hmm. as the product market fit improves, then it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, you just need fuel to scale the business. But it, again, it's, um, it's different for every business. Yeah. So here's an interesting fact that I heard this week. The average investor founder relationship lasts longer than the average marriage. So when you're looking for your investors, keep that in mind because you're okay. going to be with these people for a really long time to come. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's the relationship is, is really key because you are committed to each other for, for a fairly hefty yeah. period of time. Um, and you're going to go through an awful lot together. So that's, that's really important. Even if it is that they, they don't really want a lot of involvement in the business, you are mm-hmm. still going to be connected for a really long time. Um, and right. the, the more you can do that, that research and work out, it just stops all the time wasting. So, you know, it, it's easy to think that because um, the investors, VCs and angels get so many opportunities presented to them all the time that we feel like um, we have to fight in that space. But actually, if if you're putting your offering out to um, hundreds and hundreds of people all the time, you are just wasting a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you research the the VCs that you want to target based on their statistics, you know, look on their website and really take the time to go through what their criteria is. Because if you're putting your um, your offering with with cocktails out to somebody that only um, invests in tech, uh, yeah. it's a complete and utter waste of <laughs> waste of everybody's of course, time. Of course. So yeah, if you've done your research and you find a, a short list, I mean, even if it's only about about forty. Um, you are far better off doing that and then working hard to, to make sure you get in front of those people knowing that they are a good fit and yeah. that it's a two-way conversation and making sure that you've got the questions you want to ask them as well because yeah. it does go both ways really good advice uh, yeah that's uh, that's perfect um i think that's i've got some i've been writing down all the notes about that and i'm definitely gonna take <laughs> and i think i think i really i think i, I, can, really hear like your, I can hear your mind turning harry yeah, yeah, I've got, yeah. I've got a wheel turning. Got pads, so I've got <laughs> we can definitely carry there. on that conversation. Yes, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, I think that the points there about shortlisting, I think in preparation, because obviously I know that the pitch deck is that sort of that key presentation that really just shares everything. Obviously, the business plan is the one thing that's the long, the, the more kind of in-depth that that pitch deck is so valuable. And I think sort of then that, that approach to finding them, um, doing the research behind what they do. Like I said, if it's a tech business, it's not right for cocktails, obviously. Um, but no, I think there's yeah. some, some really valuable points there. And for those listeners out there that are maybe looking at doing funding, um, I think they've got some really good points that they can pull from there as well. And actually, for those that don't know what SCIS means, we mentioned that Harry Harry's business cocktail connoisseurs was approved for SCIS. It's Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. And it basically gives... The first, well, the first hundred, there's a hundred fifty thousand limit, and the first hundred fifty thousand, there's just some really good tax benefits for those mm-hmm. early investors. Um, and I don't think there's any capital gains either on that money yeah, as well. So it's capital um, gains, and then yeah. 
50% income tax relief. So obviously it's quite an incentive um, for anybody out there that is looking to do that for first round. And then it's EIS after, which is up to a million, I believe. Um, four million, is, I think. Or four million. So it's up to, it's a bit less benefits, it. but it's um, obviously a real benefit as well if you can secure that. Brilliant. Oh no, that's great. I'll be definitely continuing that conversation after. But actually another area <laughs> I just wanted to touch on is you said you went from well, you then got onto Amazon following Boots. What's that? Because obviously currently the world, everybody loves Amazon. Everybody uses Amazon. It's the, it's the go-to place for e-commerce right now. I think it was some silly statistics, like 50% of all sales in the US are just from Amazon. All e-commerce sales are from Amazon. So it's definitely yeah. going up. So how's that experience been for you? Um, and yeah, what's it like? <laughs> so um, Amazon is a, is a funny one because uh, it, it kind of is that midpoint where it sits between um, direct to consumer and, and it's it's sort of B2B in a, in a way too because you, you don't really get as much opportunity as you want to interact directly with the consumer. Um, so obviously you're always going to want to drive sales direct to brand. But Amazon does open up a massive opportunity. It is a great way to reach mass market. Um, it's probably the easiest way to start an export journey because they do make it relatively simple to sell products into uh, a massive amount of other countries. So I would say at the moment, uh, about 81%, I think, last year of our revenue was generated from sales direct to consumer, and that included Amazon. And trying to launch into the US market without Amazon would have been incredibly difficult. Mm. So being able to to launch into Amazon uh, US was so much easier and it got us some brand awareness for us then to build on that uh, and to, to bring a customer base directly back to our, our website. So yeah, retail has changed huge amounts. Um, and I think probably that initial conversation with Boots, I came back and opened a bottle of champagne. To me, that was like, right, I've made it. That's it. That's what success looks like. You know, I've got I've got my product into stores. And and the day I went in and, and took a, a selfie, the, the selfie with me with my pick with my product <laughs> no, on I've the shelf. That that's all I like <laughs> yeah, that's good. Selfie. I'll trademark that one. Um, when I did my selfie, that was that was like the best feeling. But actually in reality, the the retail stores now are, are such a small part. Of, of what the business does and we yeah. we now sell with um the range go outdoors extreme gb lots of independents robert dyers um but it still remains to be a very small part of our revenue generation because there are so many benefits of being able to to deal direct to consumer not only are the profit margins obviously so much better but that that ability to then bring the customer back to, to purchase from you again that brand loyalty um, and being able to, to speak directly to the customer for feedback. All of those things now are so important to, to building a brand um, and you just can't get those necessarily with the high street stores. So although it's it's great for brand confidence, being able to say you're in a high street store, um, direct to consumer is uh, is certainly the way forward for us. And mm-hmm. Amazon is, is great for that. Um, yeah. It's a very open and honest marketplace. So you have to have a good product with a good customer service because uh, otherwise it'll be very clear in the reviews. So that's, you know, that's that's a, a really good way of, of keeping um, that brand trust there. So I think we've got about a thousand reviews on Amazon at the moment, which just wow. continues to, to drive the product wow, on and on. But it is, uh, it's, yeah, it's it's quite a difficult platform to navigate from a, a seller perspective. But if you can get it right, it, it certainly is um, rocket fuel for a brand. Amazing. Great. Well, another load of notes I've got written down as well. So that's, <laughs> uh, that's perfect. <laughs> no, great. I've actually just noticed the time. Uh, nearly the end of our hour already. But um, I just wanted to wrap up for a few sort of... Oh, uh, doesn't it? Final qu- yeah, I know it has. A few final questions, really, um, that we just like to finish off. So the first one would be, if you could have a coffee with anybody alive, so we normally have <laughs> uh, we go for a live oh. on this occasion because normally oh, it's, people ask that so someone that's alive um who would that be uh, and why oh oh my gosh there's like a whole list can i have a whole coffee morning <laughs> 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 well um i'm hopefully having a, co- a coffee with dominic mcgregor very soon which i'm incredibly excited about so uh that that would definitely have been Amazing. um on on my list i tick that box and then then probably next to that probably would be karen brady um, I think she's a great uh, role model for females. Um, and I have quite a few friends who like to call me Karen on a regular basis. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the next Karen Brady. So, <laughs> you know, I need, I need to just have a chat with her and find out what, what I need to do to make sure that that is the case. <laughs> great. 
Amazing, amazing. Well, we'll see if we can organise some. Well, the one with Karen, I think it sounds like you've got the one with Dominic set up, but um, we'll see what we can yeah. do, with Karen. Um, <laughs> um, and I guess uh, one final question from me is: if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, whether it be from your early journey, from a recent, um, what would that be? Uh, get excited about failing. <laughs> right. Be okay with it. Be comfortable yeah. with it. It's the best way to to learn and progress. Um, it's fine to make mistakes. Make as many as you can. Um, but just yeah. make sure you pick yourself back up again and and be be open and honest with yourself about why those mistakes happened and then go into the next one and be quite happy with failing again anything else from you james or are we all good um, <clears throat> i think the uh, it, it, can you recommend any books for our listeners a- any books that have made a big like impact um in the last five years um uh yes one there's, book there's quite a few actually uh, shoe dog the story of nike i loved that that was amazing the subtle art i won't say the next bit the subtle art of not giving a um, absolutely brilliant book. I loved the the concept of just just doing you and and not taking or not absorbing so much of the the negative energy from from other people or the judgment. I loved that one too. Amazing, fantastic, great. great. So, Kate, one final question: um, How can people uh, find you? So, whether they want to follow your journey or, or your business, LinkedIn. I'm always really happy to to connect with um, with other entrepreneurs. So, uh, Kate Bell at LinkedIn, uh, katebell.me across social media um via the zippers in website uh by all means get in contact with us there um and i also have my own website katebell.me for, for my own story amazing great stuff well kate thank you so much for joining us on rocket today it's been an absolute pleasure to have you yeah thank you very much thank you so much kate it's been really fun really and the time yeah, flew that was great yes uh, thank you for listening to today's episode as we spoke with kate bell about her entrepreneurial journey when you get a moment, if you love this interview, please, we'd love it if you could jump over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a quick review. We love all your messages. It helps us get exposure to inspire and share more stories with you, our listeners, uh, and also helps us guide the types of guests that you, you might be looking for in future. And we're always open to suggestions, or if you're an entrepreneur or visionary out there uh, and would like to be interviewed by us, please do get in touch. A couple of key takeaways um, from our interview with Kate today one is that um, if you are an entrepreneur and are seeking investment, those first seed angels are really key. A lot of these relationships last longer um, than the average marriage. So just choose very wisely with that filter on. Another one is, you know, don't delay, uh, just do it. A lot of folks put uh, things off. If you've, if you've got that fire burning inside of you, just just have the courage to, to jump in and, and get started um, and also, as Kate said at the end, um, get used to fail, failing, because, you know, action is better than inaction, um, because that will spur you on and we can, you can learn through your mistakes. And just lastly, thanks again to our awesome sponsor, Flexi, uh, the single destination for unique subscriptions in the UK. Um, do apologize if you're listening outside of the UK, um, but Flexi does um, have a marketplace of beers, wines, um, soaps, flowers, pies, you name it. And you can switch the products on and off to fit around your lifestyle. Have an amazing week ahead and we look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.